Welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast series, your source for actionable insights into making money in food. I'm Tara Johnson, the Tara's Way Lady, and we're here to talk to a wide range of stakeholders about what it really takes to grow a financially viable food business. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for calling in today. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So where are you calling from? I am calling from Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio. And how long have you lived in Cleveland? I've lived in Cleveland just about my whole life. Um, oh, okay. So you've kind of watched yeah. quite a quite a arc of developments in Cleveland. I was in Cleveland. I'm trying to remember. It was a while, uh, not so long ago, and there was a lot. I it was. I think it was downtown. There was a lot of redevelopment going on. Yeah, the last couple of years, there's been. Quite a bit, uh, in, in certainly a good way. It's it's very different than even it was five, ten years ago. It's definitely a much different place to to go. But um, you know, I think it's pretty similar to a lot of these midwestern cities that kind of went through a you know, went through a bit of a change, uh, you know, in the seventies and eighties and nineties. So I think that um, yeah, we're finally getting our feet back under us, and it's been a pretty good place to to live and to visit over the last few years. Nice, yeah. Yeah, so you've lived there for a long time, and um, how did you get into food? And why don't you talk talk to folks about just how you've gotten to where you are? So my background, really more than anything specific to um, to, to grocery or, or category, at least at the onset, is in, um, in in marketing and digital marketing. I worked I worked for a couple different um, digital marketing agencies. Some um, that were primarily B2B and some that were B2C. And essentially, I was working for an agency a couple of years ago that um, was a typical full-service digital agency that worked with consumer brands. And um, a couple of the, the, the people that I worked with there had uh, recently developed a new um, service line strategy that was specifically focused on helping some of those consumer brands um, start to succeed and 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 um, grow their revenue on Amazon. So um, that was kind of a fledgling thing at the time, and we quickly realized that it was something that was of particular interest to a lot of the um, brands we were talking to. And then uh, about a year and a half or so ago, we uh, went off um, essentially on our own and um, began this agency marketplace strategy that um, focuses solely on um, online marketplaces, specifically Amazon. So we've kind of taken that, what we had been doing um, for those brands and um, just, you know, crafted a, an organization that focuses on, focuses on that full-time. Mm. So one of the things that I'm curious about is um, typically when you're in an agency world, they're helping you do your marketing promotion kinds of organizing things. And I guess they do do execution in the sense of historically, in the sense of print, you know, placing print media or something. Um, but it's when we talked, it sounded like what you ended up doing is more like being a broker. Am I right about that? So in the context of grocery, uh, that has been, it's been a little bit of a hybrid between the two. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of what we do is dictated uh, by the specific brand that we're working with and, and where they specifically have needs. And, you know, for some large organizations, it's, you know, primarily on the marketing promotions 
um, you know, conversion rate kind of thing side. Whereas um, in grocery, you know, traditionally the way people have been set up is, uh, you know, pretty differently from a lot of other consumer brands where, um, you know, they really aren't used to necessarily marketing their products on their own and they're used to used to uh, selling and shipping in cases or in individual packs and things like that. And so really the um, e-commerce universe has presented a whole um, list of challenges that are really far outside where they typically reside. And so for that reason, um, you know, part of our role is really to help these brands become successful and, and profitable in, in, in any way that they essentially need assistance. So specifically for grocery brands, a lot of the work at the onset has been um, helping them figure out the best path uh, to that. Um, you know, the sales acceleration and the marketing and stuff certainly becomes important, but obviously they need to have a foundation that works for them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, specifically on the grocery side, uh, helping these companies figure out the way to do this, you know, in a way that's profitable and sustainable has been a big part of how we've started with them. Yeah. And are you, did you start with um, existing wholesale brands? You know, so, uh, so there's, to me, there's kind of a, a, and I think you were just alluding to this, that there's a big difference went between a company that is big and established or, or, you know, medium sized, small and established used to shipping wholesale through gro- to a grocery, right? Um, through have distribution, all that versus a new brand who doesn't have all of that. And, and maybe they're looking at, at um, Amazon as how they're going to go to market. Yeah, so it's really um, we work with brands that are you know, we work with you know Nestle, which is one of the well, the biggest packaged food company in the world, and we nice also account to have, startups. by the way. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah it's, a, it's a good a good company to work with. Um, but we also work with uh, startups that are you know a few people that um, you know even specifically in grocery. But um, so the challenges are actually oddly enough somewhat similar. I mean, so. Yeah, from the wholesale standpoint, there are some issues with um, the pack sizes they're going to sell and the variations that they're going to sell. But um, from a profitability standpoint, because of the price point and, um, and and that sort of thing, some of the challenges are, are the same regardless of the size of the brand. So we work with companies that um, have been very well established on Amazon for you know the better part of a decade, and we work with brands that are you know just launching. But um, getting some of those details into place where again it's profitable and it's sustainable and mm-hmm. uh, and you know that is something that, that kind of uh, is, a, is an issue across the border from the very biggest brands to the you know, to the smaller ones interesting yeah so that's been my observation that the clients that I've had and and even in our own experience at Tara's way now granted we we were more the existing wholesale company and then suddenly Amazon started selling food and supplements. So this was a number of years ago. Um, But we, you know, we were selling millions of dollars of product. It was really hard to spend any time selling two cans of whey at a time. You know what I mean? And so I don't think we ever did a really good job of it. Um, And as a result, our online sales were a tiny portion of what we did. Um, Because I think, I think it requires attention, right? Focus. I think from the standpoint that it's, that it's such a departure from, you know, some of the, 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 the machine essentially that, um, mm-hmm. that you just kind of alluded to, you kind of get used to doing things the way that you do them and it's efficient and it works. And then here comes, you know, the e-commerce, uh, you know, world. And it's, it's just a very different, um, 
it, it necessitates different operations, different way of thinking, and I think that's where it's caught a lot of people off guard. You mentioned the, you know, the two cans or whatever. Um, you know, that that's been a big problem. Uh, you know, one can or whatever it is of something. Uh, you know, even when Amazon takes takes it and sells it. Uh, is often not going to be profitable, but you know, there's only only your certainly your dedicated, you know, uh, sold customers are going to want to buy an entire case. So, you know, where where the brands that are most profitable on on Amazon and other places online have been most successful is offering something in the middle. Um, you know, offering mm. a three pack, a four pack, a six pack, uh, variety packs do really really well. And that, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, number one, it, it obviously finds a price point that. Um, you know, that, that between you and Amazon, you can then, um, you know, fulfill it and, it, and uh, well, they fulfill it, but I mean, you can fill the particular order and it remains profitable. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't, you know, demand that a consumer buy a, you know, excessively large number of a product that they, you know, potentially haven't tried yet. So, right. um, you know, and, and for the people that are, you know, familiar with this on Amazon that, you know, maybe that have already, um, you know, jumped in and, and um, certainly tried to do this, you know, they'll know that, Anybody with any sort of um, even small distribution is probably going to have third parties, independent third parties that are selling their product. And where those people have succeeded is by creating those two packs, three packs, six packs. Because mm-hmm. um, what it does, is it prevents the the brand themselves from um, essentially what we call merging that listing or basically eliminating the ability for them to sell that. Uh, and it basically. Um, you know, they have the capability because they're not dealing with all the different things that you're dealing with from a manufacturer standpoint. Um, you know, they basically take their time and they repackage and they make these quantity packs and variety packs that, 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 that what, what, are the, what the consumers are really looking for. And then they're basically able to steal most of the sales um, from these brands, even when they are able to to go on and, and sell relatively successfully. So um, oddly enough, uh, you know, even beyond some of the marketing and, um, and the other things that, that you know, create... Uh, you know, what we call discoverability or the visibility on the channel, um, you know, the, the positioning of getting the, the, the right price point, the right number of packs, um, both to appeal to the consumer and to sort of circumvent the third parties has been uh, a huge priority for a lot of the grocery brands we work with. Interesting. Yeah. So um, uh, right price point. What do you I mean, do you have some just sort of guidelines about that or does it depend a lot on the food? No, I mean, I think it's actually, I would say, pretty re- relatively consistent. I mean, there's certainly higher-end items, um, you know, uh, gourmet food and things that may go for a higher price point, you know, at, at, at a, as a baseline. But, you know, typically anything under, um, you know, 8 or $10 at this point, Amazon is not really that interested in selling, um, you know, it, and it typically is not that profitable. Um, and, and typically, you know, once you get above the 20 or, or so dollar amount, that's when people aren't necessarily willing to purchase something if they haven't tried it before. I mean, again, mm-hmm. if you're talking about right. something that the basic price point is higher, if it's right. you know, a supplement or, or, or some sort of, again, some gourmet ingredient or something, then that changes everything. But if you're talking, you know, typical grocery, typical grocery prices, um, you know, typically between that 10 and $20 mark is where, um, you know, people are comfortable spending, where it's still profitable, and, um, you know, that's really what has worked the best. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So therefore the pack idea, right. If you have something that would retail for four or five, six dollars, you know, an item, you need to have more than one to even get anybody yeah, to pay I, attention. Right. 
Yeah, you know, sort of unfortunately, that is the case. Um, you know, there are situations where, you know, every situation is different. And there are yeah, people that, yeah. um, you know, have vendor relationships with Amazon where they sell, you know, directly to Amazon retail. And, you know, just by virtue of their history and their, their relationship with, with, with Amazon, they may have really good terms. And so for mm-hmm. them, you know, they can sell the $8 to $10 or whatever it is, and it's profitable and they're doing great. Um, but you know, as time has gone on and Amazon has really started to finally decide that they want to be profitable, uh, right. some of these lower, these lower cost items have, have be sort of not only fallen out of favor as far as their, their cost structure to the brands, but just mm-hmm. in general, they're just less interested in them. So, um, right. you know, it does provide a challenge for, um, for these brands and, and I'm not an expert on the packaging and the operations and some of our strategists are, are very well, well, you know, uh, uh, well educated as far as what works and what doesn't. But, um, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, it, 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 it's not horribly difficult to, you know, to package two packs or four packs and just make sure sort of they have a barcode and get them to mm-hmm. Amazon. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, you know, to say that it's, that it's, uh, you know, easy is certainly relative to the infrastructure and the operational ability of the capabilities of the, of, of the brand. So sure. it's presented a different level of challenges for different people, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, this is an area where if it's a new company and they understand this ahead of time, they can design their product in the beginning so that it can do that fairly easily. You know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than having yeah, to undo everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. I mean, you know, when you're at, if you're really thinking about the future and where the opportunity is, you know, you can get regional distribution, um, you know, or even uh, you know limited natural uh, national distribution for items. But um, you know, especially for the great thing about Amazon is that it evens the playing field for pretty much everybody. I mean, you see, uh, you know, categories particularly within grocery where brands that are um, were previously regional previously very small are doing um, extremely, extremely well, in some cases millions of dollars a year, uh, be, just because they really knew how to um, play on the channel, uh, mm-hmm. both from a marketing standpoint, which is, you know, we're, we're sort of not, not addressing that side of it. it. It is extremely important as Amazon gets more competitive and it's getting harder to get that visibility to grow sales. So I don't want to underestimate that whole side of things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they've, they've understood that the key to – uh, to gaining national, uh, you know, to getting in front of the, you know, the whatever it is the 80 million or 100 million um, prime subscribers that are out there now, that the key to that is is to offer, you know, is to sort of change the in, the entire perspective of what you're packaging. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you envision, you know, somebody walking down an aisle in, in a store that's, um, you know, meant for e-commerce. You know, there's it's no longer a kind of thing where people necessarily want to walk down the aisle and see, you know, individual can or whatever they can put in their cart. It's something where um, you know, you need to start to look at it in a completely different way, whereas, um, you know, it doesn't need to necessarily have pretty packaging even, um, you know, it doesn't even necessarily, um, you know, have to be something that, that jumps off the shelf at somebody. Really, it's about, you know, packaging things in a way where it's profitable, uh, you know, and, and still something that the consumer is sort of willing to take a, take a, um, take a leap of faith on if they haven't tried the product before. So... Um, let's talk about this packaging thing. Like, so, um, how do you, like, how do you get trial on Amazon? I mean, I, I think that's been the biggest, um, the biggest issue that I hear from my, the young brands that I work with is like, oh yeah, we went through all this work and we got it up there and nobody ever tried it. Or, you know, we sell one a month or something. 
that process happens in mainstream retail too. Just because you're on a shelf doesn't mean anybody's going to buy you. But in yeah. mainstream retail, the packaging makes a big difference there, right? Yes, 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 for sure. So from that standpoint, well, you have to kind of think of the product page as your packaging. Um, you know, it's it's funny to me. I mean, you can go. Uh, you know, you can go look through Amazon listings and look at some of the you know largest brands, particularly in grocery and personal care. And there are still, you know, product page listings that, you know, essentially are, you know, pictures of each side of the package and, um, you know, the bullet points that are under the, you know, the, the, that are, that are there on the, on the page itself are basically just, um, you know, features taken off the, the product packaging itself. And the way you need to think about it is that, you know, first of all, someone cannot see the 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 branding, the the packaging um, in person, obviously. But at the same time, you can take a look at the product images and things within a page, and you can really do whatever you want with those, or you know, to an extent, whatever you want to use that essentially as your packaging and as your way to um, you know to, to convert the sale. I mean, it's reasonable to think that if you know someone's looking at a particular brand of, you know, let's say coffee or something, and they're looking to try something new, they may be looking at three or four different brands that they're looking at. So um, if you think of that, that's similar as, a, as being in a store, um, you know, what are the reasons why somebody is going to choose one versus the other? I mean, price is one, obviously, but, you know, the other is um, the feeling of the, the branding and the packaging, you know, the perceived features of that particular product. So that's something that, you know, you really, people really need to take advantage of their product page and, you know, making sure that they are conveying um, you know, all the differentiators of the product or even the perceived differentiators of the product, uh, you know, so, so, you know, if someone is looking at, you know, two or three different tabs and um, choosing one or the other, you know, the other thing is that, you know, there isn't a, uh, I mean, to an extent, there isn't really a coffee aisle, let's say, on Amazon. I mean, you can go into the category and, you know, you can look through the top sellers and things, but ultimately the way most people are finding products on Amazon is through search. I mean, they're just going to go... Uh, you know, into the into the search field, and they're going to cite you know t- type you know fair trade dark you know roasts or mm-hmm. coffee organic coffee or something. And um, ultimately, the way that's going to come up is through making sure that um, you know it's a tr- very traditional SEO play that your page is going to have the um, right words and keywords and phrases and and, tr- and and terminology and things that people may be searching for. Uh, you know, the other trick to that, um, you know, that causes some of these issues is that you can have the most optimized product page uh, in the world with lovely images and great copy, um, but a, a huge part of Amazon's search algorithm is based upon existing sales. So uh, mm-hmm. that's sort of a, a, of a, of a troublesome uh, situation because if you can't become more visible on Amazon, it's harder to sell more. But if you um, don't sell more, then you can't become more visible. So it's sort of a, a cycle of, of, of failure in a sense. So mm-hmm. um, that's when things like, uh, you know, when things like advertising and, and some of the pay-per-click channels and things which are still very manageable and affordable on the Amazon channel, um, that's where brands can really get their jump start um, and to, to basically sort of buy their way in to some of the searches. And then, you know, once you get your first five or so reviews and, it, it's, you know, people start to see it, as a legitimate product and they start to kind of judge you more on the quality of reviews than the quantity. And at that point you can kind of take things from there. So, yeah, I mean, you know, the visibility is becoming more of a challenge. A couple of years ago, it was a lot easier. Right. Uh, you know, there weren't as many people that were trying that really were implementing strong strategies on Amazon. And so you can kind of walk in and, 
and you know the, the, the sort of the just the being there was um, was enough. But yeah, I mean now mm-hmm. the bigger brands are starting to um, you know work with people that really know what they're doing. The smaller brands that are you know people that are educating themselves and understanding um, you know learning the nuances of Amazon and how to promote their products. So it's just getting a little bit more difficult, but. Um, you know, the grocery category is going to continue to expand pretty immensely and it's still very much a, you know, a, a, you know, a world of endless shelf space. So you just kind of have to do, pull the right mm-hmm. strings and, 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 you know, it's still very much a place where you can be really, um, you know, really powerful. Okay. So it sounds like um, this is actually really analogous to bricks and mortar grocery these days because um, grocery stores are also bringing in lots of brands. Um Mm-hmm. And in order to get sell through, it it's it's not enough to just be there. You got to promote. You absolutely have to uh-huh. promote. And so it sounds like if if you're a young brand, you got to do all your branding work right and have a good um, product page and all and good messaging and all that stuff um, around the brand. But then you also need to promote on Amazon in the peculiar, yeah, you know, yeah, in the beginning. Yeah. No, well, I, I mean, I would say that, unfortunately, uh, or, I mean, or forever, unfortunately, but yeah, you need to continue to promote. I mean, the, the competition is only going to get better, but the truth of the matter is that if you know what you're doing and um, you know how to operate their, again, their pay-per-click channels, which a lot of people would call AMS or Amazon Marketing Services, um, that can be something that's extremely profitable and the ret- your return on investment can be 5, 10, you know, 15 to 1. So that's right. something you may not, certainly not mind doing. I mean, the other thing that I would say is an opportunity that is very different from brick and mortar is that, you know, particularly smaller brands, um, you know, they may get the opportunity to launch, you know, one product or two products or whatever in a, in a brick and mortar store and they don't necessarily get the greatest replacement. Um, whereas the, the great thing about Amazon is if you sell as a, uh, in their seller central platform, which is their third party marketplace platform, which you can, um, I mean, a lot of your listeners who are on Amazon already probably know that's something that brands can do and register mm-hmm. as an official brand. So they're the recognized manufacturer. But, uh, when you do that, which is typically also more profitable, um, than selling direct to Amazon through purchase orders, uh, is that you can uh, launch anything whenever you want. So mm. if you have, you know, if you sell tea and you have 30 different varieties of tea, there's nothing stopping you from launching all 30. Uh, similarly, if you can make um, a variety pack of, you know, your, let's put six different flavors or, or blends of the tea together, if you get that, um, that's something that's extremely attractive. People love to buy uh, products where they can try a bunch of different things. So if you get those variety packs, that's not something you have to, you know, kind of wait for Amazon to order. You can just put it together yourself right. uh, and, and sell it right away. And you don't have to, you can sell, send as much inventory into Amazon as you want. You don't have to wait for them to order enough. So that's really where a lot of the opportunity lies as well, is that you can launch whatever you can, whatever you'd like, whenever you can potentially even use it to test new products once you're mm-hmm. kind of more established to say, you know, here's something I, you know, we're not going to be able to get the brick and mortar and start taking this right away, but why don't we put it up on Amazon and, you know, see if it resonates and, you know, maybe we try three different new products and then, you know, the one that we see has the, you know, resonates the most on Amazon, that's the one that we go forward with. So that seller central third party side is something that creates a huge amount of opportunity for mid or smaller size brands that can't necessarily just walk up to Walmart or, you know, or even a you know, regional grocery store and say, hey, I got these, you know, we're trying these 10 new things, you know, can you, you, know, can you take all of them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that would be, that's super valuable for younger brands, right? Because they often, 
don't really have, they sort of dial in to what consumers want, but not really, you know, it's kind of coming from their own head early on. And so in a way, this is a beautiful test market for them. Yeah, it can be. I don't, a lot of folks, I, I would say that there are very few brands at this point that are using it that way. Um, mm-hmm. just because, I mean, you can imagine, not, you know, people have enough to do as it is. And yeah, yeah. Amazon is about is. But, uh, you know, we talk to people about that because conceivably, um, you know, once you kind of get in your comfort zone on Amazon, it is an opportunity um, to try different things. And, you know, the worst that happens is that it's, um, yeah, it doesn't you know, work. You, 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 yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, they're the, these young brands are doing this anyway in the, in, in a much more cumbersome way, right? They, they're launching, they, you know, however they're picking based on their feedback from their friends or whatever. Um, they pick one or two products to launch first and it really hasn't been um, tested yet. You know what I mean? So actually the consequences and the amount of time and energy that goes into doing it that way is way more, I would think, than doing it on Amazon. So when people, when you sell food on Amazon, is there a particular, like, is this a, the, you know, digital savvy people who buy food on Amazon or, you know, what, what is the consumer profile of somebody on Amazon or is it really diverse? Well, it's a, that's a good question. I mean, I certainly would say that, uh, you know, and you, and you know this, that it, uh, grocery is certainly not electronics, right? It's not right, exactly. categories where people are ordering, you know, you know, where the majority of people at this point are ordering things online. You know, and I think that, you know, if you look at any, uh, you know, any studies, research, it's, it's still a pretty small percentage of grocery. But, you know, the couple of things you, you have to keep in mind is, you know, one, it is growing every year. You know, Amazon, secondly, is basically trying to maximize their infrastructure as much as possible so that people, you know, most of the major cities now have, you know, direct grocery delivery from Amazon. They'll take it right into your house. They'll put it in your fridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they have a thing now where they'll put it in your trunk. Um, so, you know, they're certainly trying to make it easier for people to buy uh, grocery, um, you know, certainly with younger people, um, especially people in cities and things like that that don't have vehicles or, you know, means to transport large, large amounts of groceries, it's, right. you know, it's becoming very attractive. So um, it, it's a growing industry. It's something that the big brands are, you know, very interested in um, for that reason, because it is going to become a much bigger deal. But the other thing is that, you know, it's essentially a land grab right now, uh, you know, and, you know, because of the way that Amazon is structured, like I said, I mean, it's, the, the, the existing sales you have, the existing number and quality of reviews, a lot of that is what contributes in a significant way to how easy your product is found and certainly how much it converts. So right now is the time that you need to be grabbing that real estate and developing that foundation because you have big, medium, small brands that have hundreds or thousands of reviews um, that, that already sort of know what they're doing. And, and, you know, that is going to be really you know, hard. Right. So mm-hmm. there is, certainly isn't any reason to say, well, it's only, you know, four or 5% or whatever. So I don't need to go into there. You know, it's nothing I have to worry about yet because the more and more brands that start to flood in and develop a, you know, develop a strong presence there, it's only going to get more difficult to gain any visibility. Right. And, you know, I'm thinking of my own, life on Amazon, um, my shopping life on Amazon. And I think I tend to use Amazon 
um, for things that are a bit unusual. Um, and I, 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 I'm not a shopper. So I, in the sense that I don't find it fun to go shopping to physical places. And so I would never do that for fun. So if I'm, I need something unusual and I know it's going to take having to go to four places, I'm like, I'm going on Amazon. Um, but I never really get beyond, as I think about this, like the top 10, rarely will I go deeper than that. Right. Is that typical? I mean, certainly. I mean, there are people, obviously, that if they're looking for something specific or really want to browse and see every option, they go onto the second page. But no, I mean, the vast majority of people are certainly going to order, uh, you know, or find a product certainly on the first page. And yes, probably in the first few rows, Um, you know, where that becomes a particular opportunity um, for brands that are trying to become stronger or, you know, particularly brands that are um, selling something in any way unique is that you don't, you know, if you are, you know, again, if you're selling hair trade organic dark roast coffee from Indonesia, mm-hmm. you don't need to be on the first page of coffee, right? It'd be great right. if you were. Um, that certainly would expose you to a lot of people. But, um, you know, there are people that are searching for, you know, what they call longer tail searches. So there are people that are only searching for organic, only searching mm-hmm. for fair trade, only searching for, um, you know, particular mm-hmm. regions or types. So that's when it goes back to, um, making sure that that's that that information is in in your in not only your bullet points and your descriptions. There's back end keywords uh, that are on the back end of the system that contribute to the search, but also even right in the title, um, you want to have any differentiators right in the title of your product. So mm-hmm. um, that is a situation where yeah, I mean, you're fishing from a smaller pond. It's not people that are searching for coffee, but it's a really good ability to get some of that visibility around things that are more specific to your product. And because there's so many millions of people searching on Amazon, um, you know, to your point, I think that there are people who um, may not go browsing for very general things, but if they're looking for a particular type of product, a particular niche product, particular flavor, particular type, um, that is something you would look on Amazon because everybody knows that they have the biggest catalog. So um, that's a particular area of opportunity for sure. Right. So, uh, yeah, as I think about it, like somebody wanted raw sheep's milk, you know, uh, raw milk, sheep milk, um, brie cheese or something like that, that would be something that has so many differentiators in it that if you actually had a product like that, it might be really good fit for Amazon. Absolutely. I mean, and I would, I would certainly advocate trying, you know, anything on Amazon again and sort of seeing what, yeah, see what, what works. Sticks. But yeah, the better you can differentiate your product, um, you know, even if it's sort of, and I hate, even if it's sort of false differentiation, um, it, it matters. So an example that I'll give is um, one of our clients is Starkist. They're, uh, you know, the, uh, the number oh, one tuna brand in the United States. Yeah. And so, so five or six maybe years ago, um, you know, they've been encountered with a lot of um, smaller brands that have, um, the, the big differentiator for them has been sort of the natural, uh, fresh caught, uh, you know, the, 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 or whatever. I was going to say, yeah. Low mercury, caught, whatever. Well, right. Stuff. Yeah. So, one of the things that they have come across with some of these 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 brands that that market that way is they put on their labels that it's a hundred that it's fresh caught mm-hmm. that it's, uh, that's ocean caught tuna. Or the, but the fact is is that all tuna is fresh it's caught because caught. you can't they don't raise <laughs> right. tuna in a farm. Right. It's not like salmon. You know these are big uh, ocean fish, um, mm-hmm. but it has the connotation. That when they, you know, when these brands would put 
you know, fresh caught tuna, it was actually hurting the bigger brands because um, people would say, oh, that big old star kiss, they don't, you know, they're, they're, right, they're not fresh caught. Yeah. So, you know, if you look at a can of star kiss now, or if you go on Amazon and look at their page, it says it's fresh caught, you know, even though, or mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's wild, wild caught is, is the terminology that, that I should, that I'm, they should be using, um, that it's wild caught because right. they had a necessity to do it. So right. you know, sometimes there's even things that you can incorporate that, you know, even are sort of false differentiators, but they can end up meeting a lot as far as, uh, you know, if, we, if the competition isn't thinking of using it, then just mm-hmm. by virtue of uh, you know, that you can, you can capitalize off of it. Yeah, I was crazy with Tara's way. People would call me and say, well, is your product gluten-free? And I was always like, do you know what gluten is? Because <laughs> like, it would never be in way, you know, but we ended up having to put gluten-free label on the pack. I mean, it was ridiculous, right? But it's kind of a similar thing. I get it, exactly. So, um, and they were searching for that in the grocery store too. So, yeah, it's not, what's interesting to me is that I think a lot of this um, is, is more maybe relevant than people think to um, being effective in a traditional grocery store environment where things are getting so much more competitive and there's so many more brands of anything. Like, you got to do all this to be successful anywhere these days. So, Amazon is just a good way to, it's a good vehicle, it sounds like, to help you really get good at this, the differentiation and how you describe what you do. It has a lot of ramifications for new product development, too. Absolutely. Yeah, like like I would say, historically, if you were going to do Indonesian coffee, that would be like, oh, God, that is like so far out there. Who the hell knows about Indonesian coffee? But on Amazon, there may be enough people, right? You don't need everybody. You just need enough. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you just need a niche. And when you have, a, again, 100 million Prime subscribers, you know, you don't need to have the, you know, you don't need to dominate to right. do really, really well. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's great from, you know, testing products like that. It's also great, you know, again, um, you know, for the purposes of trying different uh, pack mm-hmm. sizes or different variety packs, and it's another way to really see what what the um, you know what consumers mm-hmm. like. We've had people that have um, we have a client that sells industrial light sticks um, primarily to military um, for safety and, and emergency services and things, and uh, they basically thought they had a bunch of partners that sold different um, survival kit stuff. And so they had the idea to, to take their light sticks and source some other stuff from their, you know, from their partners and basically create these high end, you know, few hundred dollar survival kits. Uh, and they launched those on Amazon and they can barely keep them in stock. Um, it was just mm-hmm. a great opportunity at a right time, but it was just a kind of thing where they thought, Hey, this is something that people are looking for. Why don't we try this? That's right. probably a little bit bigger of a, you know, of a, of a, of a, uh, hill to climb that a lot of brands mm-hmm. have the capability of doing, but it gives you an idea of where you can you know, find some opportunity. Sure. So one of the things that I always think about food is the way when I think about buying food, I don't go, Hey, I need tuna fish. I'm going on Amazon. You know what I mean? Like I, I buy tuna fish and I buy tomatoes and I buy lettuce and I buy all the other things around the tuna fish in order to make the tuna fish sandwich or you know what I'm saying like you buy a bunch of things and I always wonder whether that is gonna ever work on in digital land and food you know what I mean like at, at some level like tuna fish how 
I, I, I would just never think of going online to buy tuna fish. <laughs> so there's a couple of things that are particularly, uh, you're right. I mean, it, it, tuna is not typically an impulse purchase, Yeah, but, um, <laughs> But, I mean, then again, and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll go through a couple of things here. I mean, number one, uh, one of the most valuable features on Amazon is what they call subscribe and save. Um, you know, if you're familiar with grocery, you probably know what it is. I mean, basically, it's just you say, I want, you know, two packs of this every month or, you know, and then people, it's immensely um, popular for personal care, toilet paper, paper towels, water, brushes, uh, mm-hmm. toothpaste, things like that. Um, it's also very, very popular. Some of our... Um, Larger grocery brands say that, you know, upwards of 30 to 40 percent of their sales is people that simply just subscribe. Um, you know, when you think about it, uh, you know, it's basically a sale that you convert once and then people just sort of keep getting whatever it is that you're offering. So right. uh, that's an instance where it can be huge. People, you know, I mean, my wife has, you know, 10 different things that we have set up on subscribe and save that just every couple months they or they come. So um, that's an instance where it gets away from being um, an impulse purchase. Uh, you know, so the other is this thing is people, that and, before you go on, is this is this something that people are using for like toilet paper and stuff like that, like household products like that, or or food too? Both. I mean, okay. I mean, we have we you know if it's fresh food that needs to be refrigerated, not necessarily, um, but you know we when we at our house we do again so. Uh, you know, the company that we work with, a company that's a beef jerky company, and they, mm-hmm. they're the one, you know, they say that 30 to 40 percent of their sales are through subscribe and save, you know, things like snack bars, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, any, any kind of snack, any kind of shelf stable, really anything. Tuna does great on subscribe and save. Uh, anything really that's shelf stable, absolutely. If people eat it um, as a regular part of their, you know, their diet, whatever, they, um, it's something that does tremendously well. So, um, you know, absolutely. It's, it's definitely something that works really well with food. But, um, you know, and similarly, as, as Amazon expands their, uh, you know, Amazon Prime Now, which is their two-hour delivery, then I think it does become more of an impulse purchase. Then it becomes, uh, okay, right. I want to make dinner tonight or tomorrow, or, you know, you're eating lunch at work and you're, you know, whatever you bring to lunch, you run out of it, you realize you're out of it, and you go online, and you, want, you know, you want to get it delivered the next day or later that right. day. So I think in that sense, it, 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 it will completely change the game once that becomes much more standard and that, you know, people run out of something, they're just going to order it on Amazon because they're there. They don't have to go to the store. Right, right. So how much do you save on, like, on subscribe and save usually as a consumer? It depends. It depends about how many things you subscribe to. I think it's mm. between 5 and 15%, but it has to do with the amount of products that you, um, yeah, that you subscribe to in a given month. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the more you, the more you subscribe to, the more you, the higher your percent discount. That is correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's cool to know. And then, um, how much, uh, so the, the, the prime now I was in Chicago speaking at an event and somebody there was talking about prime now was coming to Chicago. Um, so it seems like they're rolling that out in big metro areas right now, which would be logical, right? I mean, honestly, so wherever you were talking, I mean, I don't know how long ago this was, but whomever you were talking in Chicago, I mean, it's it's been in the Chicago area for a couple of years now. My guess is that they are um, rolling it out in certain areas of cities where maybe there wasn't the infrastructure before, but most major cities have it. Um, Mm -hmm. Even, I mean, even middle-sized cities, and I know they have it 
in Columbus, Ohio, which is mm-hmm. you know similar in you know similar in Mad- to Madison. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't have it in Cleveland, but uh, they're the, they're building a couple big facilities here, and we anticipate we'll have it in the next year. Um, you know, m- most of the major cities in the East Coast, they know they have it down in Florida, and Orlando, Miami, and those places. So most big big cities big do cities. have it. Mm-hmm. And they may not have it in every geographic you know corner Part or suburb, whatever city, it is. But, right? Yeah. Yeah, but it's certainly mm-hmm. in Chicago. Um, you know, they also have Amazon Fresh, which is specific for delivery, or sorry, specific for grocery. And um, that's actually something that they're going to be uh, merging with Prime now, so it's sort of less relevant than it was. But um, as of right now, they still have both of those programs that would support um, the delivery of, of grocery, mm-hmm. both um, you know shelf stable and perishable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It may have been Amazon Fresh that they were talking about, as I think about it. But oh. anyway, it's um, it's interesting to see how that worked and how how has your work change since um amazon bought whole foods if at all well not too much because i don't think anyone's still completely sure exactly what they're going to do or what i mean there's a you know they're starting to bring amazon products in they're starting i mean they're starting to sell whole foods products it really hasn't changed uh what we do much at all um you know i think it has become more competitive because of some of the things that amazon's done in that regard but uh I, I, you know, honestly, I don't know that anyone is completely sure yet. Um, that, and they're certainly not done, um, you know, uh, experiment, uh, linking, right? the, linking the two together. And so, so not a whole bunch yet. Um, and, and honestly, even for the brands that we have that, you know, would come to say we're at, we're at Whole Foods, it doesn't necessarily change anything about their ability to sell on Amazon or their visibility on Amazon or anything else. So, um, to this point, it really hasn't done too much. We thought it would. We certainly, if you'd have told me whatever that was last, you know, about a year ago, that, that um, uh, at this point there'd be, you know, this little of an effect on the online channel, I would, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have uh, believed it. But yeah, to this point, there's not too much that's been done, mm-hmm. at least from the, you know, the Amazon.com standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I wonder, and it probably gets back to what everybody's wondering, like, like how much does having a um, recognizable consumer brand in the real world affect your ability to show up in the top 10 in an Amazon search. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, is I there mean, theoretically real... it does. Yeah. Yeah. Theoretically. I mean, theoretically it, in a way it doesn't, but if those companies get really good at doing all the things that you've discussed and the smaller brands don't, then they're the ones who are going to show up in the top 10. Right. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, if, you know, if Tide had, you know, Tide detergent had never been on Amazon before and they went on tomorrow, uh, unless people are searching for Tide, which is certainly possible, I mean, the more better brand, you know, better known your brand is, the more likely someone's going to search your branded term, Mm -hmm. uh, nothing would make them any more, uh, you know, nothing would give them an advantage from Mm -hmm. the algorithmic standpoint of Amazon than anybody else. Coffee is mm-hmm. a great example. They, I mean, if you search for, um, it's getting a little bit more balanced as the bigger brands catch up. But for a long time on Amazon, you'd search for coffee and you'd get all these smaller brands that were previously regional or only in Amazon, mm-hmm. Amazon and, you know, Maxwell's or Maxwell house and Folgers who own, you know, the better part of 50% of grocery aisles, uh, had almost no presence at all because mm-hmm. they just didn't, they were just up there. They weren't doing anything. So, 
Um, you know, by nature of default, there's no advantage to bigger brands. But, you know, the, what helps them is, you know, the, the, certainly there's going to be the, the branded search, people looking for that specific brand, which helps them get, you know, some initial sales. And then the, the second thing would obviously be the resources or whatever they're putting towards it that may help them, you know, to, to be doing better strategically. But historically, that's actually been a pretty even playing field. These big brands aren't ready to, to implement a, a really good Amazon strategy. And so, um, they've been really no better at it than than the, than the independent brands. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I have one client who built her entire business on Amazon. It's um, it's kombucha kit kits for making okay. kombucha, not kombucha itself. Um, and she says that she spends like sixty six percent of her time every week on Amazon. And what is she doing? Could be a number of things. Probably monitoring and adjusting her her advertising, you know, making sure every everything is working, uh, making sure that um, everything within the advertising platform is you know remains profitable. Um, you know, depending on how the majority of her business on Amazon, I'm assuming this person's pretty skilled at it. So she is, uh, yeah. You know, she probably knows enough to to be continuing to optimize and learning from the data and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's also a lot of other things, depending on how she's selling, that, that there's sort of more headachey things on Amazon that, you know, that could cause issues that, you know, if she's selling as a, as a third party, then there's inventory replenishment that she has to sort of monitor and take care of. If she's selling as a um, direct vendor to Amazon retail, there's uh, a lot of miscellaneous things, uh, operational things, chargebacks and things that Amazon levies that you have to keep an eye on and remedy. So there's sort of that just making sure that nothing goes awry. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's, for a lot of these brands, uh, you know, uh, a pretty hefty job. But, you know, again, there are, you know. But it's way more that, profitable, right? I mean, she's this is a very profitable um, thing to do if you do it right. I, I just, I have this sense that people don't realize how much, how much time it takes. You know, it's funny because, you know, I don't want to, you never want to discourage people from getting involved in this because. No. You know, again, this is probably something that is very important to their future. So when people think, oh, God, it's going to take me, you know, maybe 60% of my time to run this channel that, you know, I didn't get into making, you know, kombucha kits to, to be, to be a, you know, a digital marketer, right? I mean, they probably right, right. People get into these businesses because they love the product, they care about it, whatever. Uh, you know, they didn't get into that. But, but in, a, in a lot of ways, that's, that is now the industry, you know? Yeah, we yeah. make jokes that, you know, uh, bigger brands that, you know, their way of making, ensuring their success was to, you know, fly to to Arkansas and, you know, right. take the Walmart people out to dinner. And, mm-hmm. you know, and most of these large brands still have people that that live and work full-time, you know, in Arkansas, a couple of miles from Walmart's headquarters and people in Minnesota that, you know, that, that, that basically work for the brand and, and keep the relationship with Target. And that's totally irrelevant now. And that's good for small and small and, and uh, middle-sized brands because you don't have to have a, you know, mm-hmm. to take them out to dinner and have a direct contact to succeed. Um, but, you know, the time that you used to spend doing that stuff, you just have to now spend being, you know, mm-hmm. uh, intelligent and, 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 and employing the strategy and learning about Amazon. And, and that's um, where the success comes from. So it's just a changing industry. Yeah. And, and what I heard you say was a bunch of functions that were, say, you know, that I would classify as sales and, and marketing. And then just um, like all the stuff you did to, with your um, distributors, you're doing with Amazon, right? 
chargebacks and all that kind of stuff, monitoring all that and making sure inventory is right and all that stuff. You had to do that in the bricks and mortar world anyway. Yeah, it's just an, again, it's, yeah, it's just a sort of a different, you know, a different use of, of, mm-hmm. of your time, you know, so. So do you see food um, getting better margins than traditional retail would, you know? Uh, I would say I don't retail? because of the price point. I would say that not necessarily. Um, okay. If you're talking about eaches and you know five, six, eight dollar products, mm-hmm. um, you know I don't necessarily know what the margins look like in brick and mortar, but um, you know they've been terrible pretty much. Yeah, a lot of cases very. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, you know on Amazon they've been pretty unprofitable, or at least they're growing that way as Amazon you know, again tries to start to really be more, more profitable themselves. But, um, you know, yes, if you can, if you have the capability to, um, you know, adapt your product to the, to the price points and the quantities that people are looking for online, uh, yes, it can be very, um, very profitable and, you know, you can sell more faster, certainly. Mm-hmm. So is this a bit like if somebody developed a, a pack size for Costco, you know, is that, is that a kind of a similar thing or maybe this is actually a little bit bigger? Costco is what? No, Everything a, should be nine ninety nine, or about the same. That's a really good comparison, and that is a, that is something that we run into with some of our brands that are in Costco. Um, we talk to them a lot about that because we'll go. That's sort of the the evolution of the conversation. We say, okay, well, this this single is not going to be profitable. Amazon's not going to sell it. We need you know we need to make a, a six pack, and they go, well, you know, geez, we can't do that. You know, or we're not built to make that. It would take us six months to get approved, but wait a minute, you know, we're actually selling one of these to Costco. I wonder if we may be able to do, you know, to, you know, a lot of times those are exclusivity agreements and things, but mm-hmm. yeah, we hear that a lot is um, it's certainly similar. Um, and depending on the product, it could be too big, too small, whatever, but right, that's right. the line of thinking is that you, is, you know, the way that people are packaging things for Costco is very similar to the way that they need to start to think about packaging them, um, for Amazon. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's, you know, more, all the more reason to, to think along those lines anyway. Um, yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what about perishables? So cheese and, or meat or things that need to be refrigerated. Is that more of a barrier so, or how's that, how are companies dealing with that? Well, certainly more of a barrier. Um, but and I think for the, so the only way at this point to sell um, perishable products on Amazon is to you can't sell it as a third party as a seller, um, which in many ways is more advantageous. Um, again, we talked about how you can launch products more easily. Um, it, you know, it, it's more customizable. Well, you can't. The way to sell uh, perishable products to Amazon is through either Amazon Fresh or Amazon Prime Now. And to do that, you have to be um, a vendor, a direct vendor, purchasing you via purchase orders and, um, and, mm-hmm. and that uh, system. So it is more of a, of a barrier. Uh, it takes um, a lot more. Uh, then you start to get a little more into relationships and things where they, you know, you can typically get a, an invitation to be a vendor pretty easily, but then you have to pursue becoming a part of Prime Now or uh, Amazon Fresh. And at this point, that is a pretty expensive proposition that um, mostly only larger brands could even consider um, the larger brands that, you know, we work with that 
do have a presence. Do um, some of them have not seen a lot of traction? Others do really, really, really well. So there are definitely people um, ordering off of those platforms and you know getting frozen food and refrigerated food delivered to their to their you know apartments and cities and things. Um, but to this point, I would say that if you are a you know, if you sell solely perishable items, I would not peg Amazon as a priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just too big of a barrier at this point for, you know, for anybody who really the largest brands to get too involved in. Mm-hmm. So I have, um, yeah, so I, I, you know, here in the land of Wisconsin, we've got a bunch of meat people and cheese people. Yeah, um, and cheese, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so I have a, uh, we have somebody who went through uh, an accelerator for the Food and Beverage Association accelerator. We had somebody who um, is doing exotic meats. So this is things like elk. And he he has inquiries and ships to people all over the country. It's sort of crazy to me, but um, mm-hmm. there aren't a lot of people who actually do this kind of stuff. So something like that, like if, what would your recommendation be to somebody like that who has a business like that and people like randomly find his horrible website? He would say it's horrible too, <laughs> by the way, it isn't just me. He's working on it. Um, but um, what would you say would be a good product or a good strategy for somebody like that? on Amazon. Sure. Yeah, I'm sort of leaving out the the obvious choice for um, anybody in that category, and that is that you can sell on Amazon and fulfill it yourself. So um, the only caveat to that is you wouldn't have prime distinction. It, it, you can get it, but it's difficult. So basically, if someone searches and they, you know, limit their, their search results to prime, you wouldn't show up. But right. specialty items, um, you know, this is especially great if you have a really large catalog, if you are you know, certainly if you're making things like art or something or things are one of a kind, it's a way to do it. Mm. But, um, yeah, the other way would be if you have the capability to send your own perishable items, you can just basically set it up on Amazon to sell as a third party. Amazon will take 15% off the whatever you choose to sell it for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you basically tell the consumer what the shipping is going to be and, um, you know, you can operate uh, there and you will certainly get more uh, potential shoppers than you would ever get on your website by about right. you know a factor of a, you know a thousand to one or you know much right. more than that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And and people will absolutely you know just out of there's enough people searching out there that people will absolutely land on you know find your page and order your stuff. So that is absolutely an option. Mm-hmm. Um, you're never but you're not in to, marketplace um, then. Is that a distinction? No, or? you. Uh, you are. The only difference is you're not prime. And you're not prime. Okay. Um, Got it. It's totally fine. It's a great way to do it. You're never going to sell millions. You're never going to get into the millions uh, of dollars a year. Likely, you're never. You're not going to selling that way. But mm-hmm. it will absolutely. If that was in, we some is absolutely something we recommend. If you have the ability to ship that stuff yourself, because there's still way, way more people searching for things that they're ultimately going to buy right away uh, mm-hmm. on Amazon. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that, that's something we've, that's a part of this that we've sort of avoided the whole conversation so far, but, um, absolutely. Yes. If you could, you know, if you're a perishable product and you just kind of want to be there and fulfill orders as they come and have a little bit of an extra revenue stream, that would be the avenue to take. Mm-hmm. The more unusual, the better. Right. I would think so. Like how many people, if somebody put in elk tenderloin, they're going to be like nobody, <laughs> you know, he, he would be it. Right. Or, yeah. Yeah. It's all just kind of finding the demand and, and, you know, it's supply and demand. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's trying to find uh, a niche where there's people searching for it and there isn't a lot of 
competition. So yeah, obviously there's certainly a point at which it gets, you know, too obscure, unique, and then, you know, you might just not have the people out there right. looking for it. But, um, you know, something like game meets and things like that, that are, you know, very popular right now that people are looking for, um, you know, there's a certain kind of person that's going to order um, elk on the internet, obviously. Um, it's mm-hmm. not everybody that's going to order fresh meat off the internet, um, but there are certainly people doing it out there. And, you know, if someone does search on Amazon for fresh elk meat, uh, they're probably not going to be, there's probably not going to be a whole lot of competition. So um, that would, posi- you know, put you in a good position to, to mm-hmm. convert those sales for sure. Right, right. And then if you had something like um, jerky or something, then that could go into prime, right? Because that doesn't require refrigeration. Like, is that the idea there? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I mean, that, that's what I was going to tell you when you first started talking about it. I when you were going to ask, I think you were going to ask me what he should do. And I said he should dry it and salt it. And turn dry it, and it and, yeah. Uh, okay. And then he can send it in. And, and that's a great, you know, and that's also, that's another great example, though, because, you know, there's, there's a ton of obviously beef jerky online from the big brands to there are dozens and dozens of regional oh, right. brands of jerky, but there's, you know, I would say that if you get into elk jerky, it's probably a 10th of that. So, um, you know, that's a situation where offering something that's slightly different, which is, you know, and unique could, you know, potentially be a good, a good way to you know, get some initial visibility in sales. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. It does require a whole product strategy, right? It sounds like all in and of itself, if you really want to optimize this. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's too complicated, though. I mean, it, yeah. a lot of the stuff you and I are talking about here is, you know, is is somewhat common sense as far as yeah. you know what people would and wouldn't buy online. Um, you mm-hmm. know, the entire concept of sort of the open shelf space that's based on search. I mean, a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff is. It's just you're right. It's about finding the balance of you know, stuff that people are actually looking for and buying with being unique and, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then sort of doing some advertising and then making sure that when people come to your page, all the right information is there and that you look like a nice legitimate brand with good branding and, um, and everything else. And then, you know, that's really the, the path to success there. So Costco um, has become kind of a uh, supplier to small restaurants, um, you know, small restaurants instead of like, or maybe in addition to to Cisco or somebody, they'll go to Costco. Do you see that happening, uh, or do you know whether that happens on Amazon? Yeah, I mean, it definitely does. Um, uh, so Amazon has Amazon Business, which is an entirely um, sort of separate channel where uh, you know you have to offer some kind of bulk pricing. But it does. There are more and more organizations out there that are uh, allowing people that. You know, used to have to go through catalogs or, you know, order through specific B2B systems, U.S. foods or whatever, and they're starting to allow franchises or whomever else it is to order things, supplies online, lunch, uh, cafeterias and things like that that order, you know, bags of, um, you know, chips or whatever it is. Um, they're starting to get things like that through uh, Amazon. So there's definitely a sense of that. I wouldn't necessarily say that any company is going to order their meat on Amazon just yet. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I get it. But I, but yeah, I would. Say, I mean, there's definitely, um, especially thing you know, packaged food. Um, I think people stores definitely are starting to do that. Um, you know, we do get a little bit of you know pushback from our grocery brands from their distributors like that. Um, that are oh, I'm sure B two B or restaurant side or, or whatever it is institutional side, um, and certainly supplies. I mean, if you're selling straws, napkins, plates, things like that. Um, those are absolutely things that people are, are purchasing already as businesses online. 
Right. Well, and what's interesting to me about that is that you'd be surprised how much high-end restaurants will pay to, you know, have an elk tenderloin, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And they'd ship it, right? So it just seems, it seems like this might be coming more, you know, for weird stuff that's hard to get any other way. And they're already paying ridiculous amounts of shipping to get it there. The Amazon thing would just make it easier in a way for them. I don't know. Yeah, I would think cheese is a good example. I mean, you know, people are looking for a very specific, you know, type of yeah. cheese, a specific age, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I suppose that if I were a restaurateur and I was looking for a very specific type of cheese and I wanted to be able to order it, I, I might look on Amazon. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about uh, uh, how, you know, some of these people think and restaurateurs and, and chefs and things. But, I mean, I would, it, it makes sense, you know, if you can't yeah. get it. Well, you know, you you get my meat guy example. He goes, he's got some chef in, I don't know, D.C. area. The first question is, how are we going to get it? You know, like, what is the distribution path and how are you going to get it? And are you in a distributor? And if the answer is no, but I'm on Amazon and you could order that way, that might actually be, you know, even though it's still you shipping directly. I don't know. It's an it's an interesting thought. That is a good, no, no, it's great. I mean, if you have, if you're the kind of business where you have specialty items and you have people calling you and saying, oh, I really love this. I had it once. I'd love to get some more. Well, you know, it's perishable. We don't, you know, whatever, um, we don't sell on your website or, or that is absolutely a way that you could potentially, again, expose yourself more. There's no, there's mm-hmm. no reason not to set something up on Amazon that you would ship yourself other than the fact that you want to make sure that it's profitable once you give Amazon the 15%. But, right. uh, there is absolutely no reason why you wouldn't, because you never know if you were on Amazon. You know, you're right. you're kind of doing some stuff at me that we don't run into all the time. But it absolutely could be. You're right, an opportunity where you know if, if people are looking for something that's really special or specific or hard to find, um, there's no reason why you shouldn't have it up on Amazon just in case someone happens to order it. And then you never know, mm-hmm. maybe it's something where you're getting some regular orders. Well, I had no idea there were all these things going on on Amazon. I'm amazed. So that helps me understand how you could have an entire firm around Amazon. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so tell me what you do for clients in your firm. Sure. Like, so, what you-, you know, you kind of get a sense of some of it from this conversation, but, you know, everything that we do really does depend upon wh- where the brand currently is, you know, the, the category, you know, and what we can do. And nothing is sort of out of the box with us. It's very customized. So, you know, there are some clients where, you know, particularly in grocery, the, the first you know couple months of working with them, we're, work- we're working with them to figure all this stuff out, you know, um, and a lot of them are currently selling, but either unprofitably or just not sustainably, or they're starting to become unprofitable. So we're working with them to figure out how to change it. So a lot of times there's that, there's, you know, talking about, you know, what are, what are the, what's the potential? That's really the hardest thing for a lot of brands to understand is not just how to succeed, but, you know, what are all the options? There's a thousand different options on Amazon. So you have to talk to somebody that knows all a thousand of them and which one, you know, one or two mm-hmm. might particularly work for you. Um, you know, which avenue of selling, which kind of pack sizes, um, you know, where there may be opportunity within your category. So that's a lot of times where we help out. You know, if someone is uh, already kind of set up and moving and doing a pretty good job, then it really goes into sales acceleration, which is, um, you know, the entire marketing side that, you know, we have, uh, you know, a whole team of full-time specialists that this is all they do. So we have people that, you know, all they do is um, design informational imagery with, you know, product differentiation features 
uh, for images that would go, you know, right into the product library um, next to the product on top on on top of the product page on Amazon. We have copywriters who, you know, understand the you know, the best practices for, you know, keyword optimization within Amazon titles, bullet points, backend keywords. So, you know, they basically start to work through your catalog and, and improve that. We have, uh, you know, we have people that all they do full time for. Um, you know, dozens of brands is just the advertising. So, you know, we, we talk about, you know, that being a barrier to getting some visibility. Um, you know, it can be pretty complex and, and, and difficult to manage unless you're an expert. So that's part of what we provide is, you know, well, but, you know, instead of you trying, doing something you need to manage, that's going to take more time than you have, uh, you know, we can come in and we have the expertise of, you know, of someone that's, that, that's done it for years and does it for many, many brands. And, you know, they can basically bring that to you right away. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of different uh, other things, other opportunities direct with Amazon or, um, you know, ways to more quickly acquire reviews. So, that, uh, you know, there's other things from a um, optimization and growth standpoint that we then help. But, um, you know, really it's, it, it all boils down to pulling of the, you know, a hundred levers you can pull on Amazon to try to get something to work. It's about pulling the, you know, the 10 or so that are going to work best for you and, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and making sure that it's done in a, in a profitable and sustainable way. So that's, you know, that, that's, that's essentially what our group does. And we have people right. that we, you know, just do advertising for. We have people that we basically run their, you know, run the entire presence because they just don't have time to do it. So, right. Um, right. But, yeah, it's very interesting and always changing, and um, it's a pretty cool place to be right now. I bet, I bet every and every product and brand would be a little bit different. It'd be fun. So, so do you work with young food companies, or you you do food and you do other CPG, right? Or is it almost all food? No, we're we're about fifty fifty. I would say about half okay. our clients are food, and the other half are just in all sorts of different things from um, electronics to. Uh, you know, to textiles and fashion to, okay. um, you know, we really have all kinds of stuff, but um, yeah, I'd have to really think about it. I mean, we work with a company, um, I'll plug them out of uh, Portland, Oregon called Red Duck uh, Ketchup. Uh-huh. They sell ketchup and taco sauce and barbecue sauce. It's all really, really good stuff. Uh, and they're, it's essentially three women that were in graduate school at uh, the University of Oregon and they started this organization and we're basically just trying to help them get their traction going on Amazon. And we work with companies like that. And then we work, again, we work with, you know, from pretty large brands and we work with um, folks in between that, you know, maybe own a few different brands. And, but yeah, I mean, it really does kind of cover the gamut as far as size is concerned. And um, that that does help because small brands need to understand what the big brands are doing and vice versa. And, um, you know, it's also, you know, things that work on, you know, in heart, in home improvements and hardware may, um, be strategies that would translate over to other categories and good work in grocery. So it's good that we kind of have people that are working in different industries to kind of see what, what works elsewhere. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's great. And then are you, do you act kind of like a broker on a commission basis or how does that work? Are you, are you more like an agency where you have set fees for various things? Sure. It's, uh, it depends. Um, you know, it's interesting because in the grocery category, we've run into a situation where, you know, because of that broker model, companies were are, are certainly much would much rather pay us a percentage because just the the, the you know the, the infrastructure and the uh, structure that they should say that they're used to. So mm-hmm. um, we've done a little bit more of that on the grocery side. The problem we run into is that it is difficult to operate that way because. On the on the low end of things, um, you know, we're talking about some of these challenges that um, brands face to kind of get traction on Amazon, whether it's you know making sure you have different pack sizes or you know being able to fulfill one way or another. We work with a lot of companies who 
you know, they just have a lot of red tape. And so they, you know, say, yeah, oh, yeah, we're going to get all these four packs launched when we start and we're, you know, and then off we go. And then, you know, a year into the, two years later, so they, with have it, they still pack, have it. Right. Yeah. And I don't blame them for it. It's just, you know, it's just the nature of, of the way companies are structured and, and operational capabilities and things. So that, you know, we can't, so for that reason, the performance thing and stuff, but on the other side, we've had several clients who, who we've done so well that they've said, Oh, I know I told you I'd pay you this percentage, but I'm not going to pay you this much. (laughs) (laughs) So we've in both situations, we've gotten this, uh, you know, we've gotten to a point where we operate more on a flat rate that is, Mm -hmm. you know, manageable that, you know, kind of equals back to the resources we can put into the particular, um, particular client. Okay. And does it help if people come to you already having done some, you know, more generic, marketing positioning work so they understand who their target consumer is and they've got you know what i mean they've got a brand pretty well defined or or you can just start from the beginning with people well on amazon specifically it definitely helps um for people to have some infrastructure existing now we work with brands um you know to to kind of put the the rocket behind them and and go from you know very small levels of sales to mm-hmm. um you know to a point where they're doing really really well but i mean there's a couple of things it, it does take um you know certainly some several months to gain that initial traction versus um you know if we come in and someone has a decent um level of existing sales even if not a ton that's something that we can grow very very quickly Mm-hmm. Um, so it certainly does help to have the existing infrastructure on Amazon. Uh, right. As far as knowing the audience, that I mean, having branding, knowing the audience, knowing the consumer, that helps. But you know that the, the, the most, it's the the biggest factor is certainly having some kind of foundation to work off of. And the other reason is it's simply cost. I mean, if someone's doing you know a few thousand dollars on Amazon a month, you know that's it's great, but it's probably not going to be worth it or profitable in, in the short term. Certainly to work with us, so. Um, you know, and, and that's certainly fine, but it's just a matter of companies either having to have existing sales or to really be invested in the fact they know it's a channel they want to grow and be willing mm-hmm. to put some resources behind it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you do booze on Amazon? Does Amazon do booze? Well, they deliver it through Fresh and Prime Now. Um, uh-huh. So to do that, you have to uh, have a vendor relationship. So, you know, and the funny thing is, since we don't have Prime Now, uh, or fresh here in Cleveland, I've never really even looked to see if there's a lot of craft beer on there <laughs> or not, or if it's yeah, or or, or but, you know, because yes, we are the land of beer, right? So beer, but beer. I mean, you can in Wisconsin, you can't even legally ship beer over out of state. Uh, it, I don't know, uh, and wine. Uh, that, that's why I was asking. There are all these weird regulatory things about booze that makes it hard. And I was wondering about Amazon. So you couldn't theoretically, yeah. I mean, if you can't ship it, you couldn't sell it as a, um, and you couldn't sell it and ship it yourself. Um, mm-hmm. But if you were able to develop a vendor relationship with Amazon, you know, I mean, if you're a, um, you know, I'm sure they're they're continually expanding that side of their of their business with alcohol and things like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, they you could have subscribe and save, you know. For your beer, I don't know if they have that, but your beer, for example, sure. I mean, you know, give me one of these once a month or something. Yeah, uh, I, it's definitely something that they want to grow because they're trying to get to those people who want to order something and have it in a couple hours. Food mm, and things, yeah. And beer or wine is a great reason for somebody to order something, you know, right away. Right. 
and she and then oh by the way I want something to eat with it so it it would seem natural yeah. to me yeah yeah so it, I I think um it sounds like you know in terms of advice for um you 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 know we've laid out in this conversation some really good um kind of best practices if you want to call it that for these really young brands who are trying to navigate starting on Amazon, you know, um, the, the things about price point and variety packs and what product page, you know, how to handle search. I mean, by the time you say, if they start wanting to do things with search, that's going to start getting harder for them, I would guess. But, you know, they'll think about it. And hopefully it they depends. can get enough, you know, and hopefully they can get enough traction. And then the promotion thing, we should talk a little bit more about that. Um, just to give people a sense of when we say, nope, you're going to get up there, you're going to have to promote. Um, what does that look like on Amazon? So the primary way to promote products on Amazon is through what they call sponsored product ads, which, you know, if you're familiar with AdWords on Google, it's uh, very similar, um, not quite as complex, which is to the benefit of, of everybody that isn't a, you know, an expert digital advertiser. Right. Um, but you know, it's, it's keyword based. So you can bid on the terms you want. It's a, you know, bidding structure. It's all pay-per-click. Um, and the good thing about it, I would say, especially for grocery is that it is not at this point, extremely competitive. Um, you know, for most, uh, certainly the more niche you get, the cheaper, but you know, you're talking about cents, um, you know, per click. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you do it right and very often, um, again, you know, the returns can be 5, 10, 15 to 1. So it is a, I think it's something that intimidates people and so they don't try it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can just learn a little bit about it and just, you know, make sure you're sort of got the basics down. Um, you know, we talk to people every day that are by no means expert digital marketers, but are making pretty good money um, running sponsored product ads because um, it's right now, it's it's just, uh, it's still a pretty, certainly for grocery, a pretty, a pretty raw platform. Right, right. Okay. Well, that's really helpful. So we've covered a ton of ground. Have we missed anything? I don't think so. Uh, you know, I think we've, we've, gone, we've, we've covered a lot. Um, again, I would say the, the only, you know, takeaway that I would offer is that it, we've, and we've dealt with this from the large brands to the very small brands, it, it's certainly a departure from, you know, what you're used to doing and what you certainly thought you were getting yourself into when you started in this business. Uh, you know, and it's going to make you do things that are different than you used to do. And your day to day is going to be a little bit different, but, you know, especially for, you know, for even right now for the non-perishable stuff, it is a huge opportunity and it's going to be a bigger and bigger part of the future. And so, you know, in a sense, industries change, you know, um, you know, Western union doesn't just sell, uh, there's just send uh, telegrams anymore. So, you know, you kind of have to adapt a little bit to this new, um, to this new structure, and there's a lot of opportunity there, and mm-hmm. it's kind of going to be um, the reality of the future, uh, good or bad. Yeah, it is. It's a future. I guess the only other thing I, I would say is I, it seems to me, having listened to this, that there's a lot to know about this, and I, I think what I see a lot is people go, okay, well, I'm going to have my kid who, you know, they do a lot of, they spend all their time on Facebook and they know Amazon, they're going to do all this for me. And it seems to me like there's a lot to know in order to be successful at this. There's stuff to know. I mean, I wouldn't, I would urge anybody not to just sort of place it in the hands of a family member or, I mean, but, but at the same time, they can't, you know, if that family member is, 
uh, is, is intelligent, is going to go out and read things and do some research, I think it's per- they're perfectly capable of doing it. You know, I would tell anybody to, there is immense libraries of information online from, you know, published by people like us, published by, you know, research organizations, just, um, you know, really all over the place that talk about how to operate these different platforms and what works and what doesn't. And I would just advocate to read as much as you can and learn about it that way. Um, you know, working with a company like us is, is great. I mean, it, it will certainly help anybody, you know, accelerate their sales very you know, quickly. And we've, we've seen some really significant results from the grocery brands we've worked with, but I, you know, we understand obviously it's not a reality for people, for everybody. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's certainly something that can be done on your own. If you really take the time to educate yourself and understand, um, how it works and then, you know, never sort of set it and forget it. You got to have a constant eye on it. Right. Right. Never set it and forget it. All right. So you get to tell us the name of your firm and how we can find you. Sure. Uh, our company is called Marketplace Strategy. Um, so it's marketplacestrategy.com. Uh, you can uh, email me. I'm jeff at marketplacestrategy.com. So that's pretty easy. J-E-F-F. Yeah, we, uh, there's some pretty good information on our site, um, some stuff that you could possibly learn from some webinars, some uh, white papers and things. But, uh, yeah, again, I would um, not have anybody hesitate to search all around the, the web and look for as much information as they can get. Terrific. Well, thanks so much for spending time with us. I've learned a lot, and I bet other people will, too, when they listen to this. And um, I hope we can we can talk more. Maybe you'll come to Madison and visit Jeff Glazer, um, who's also been on the podcast in the past. And, um, yeah, and we can have a coffee. No, I appreciate that. I love any excuse to come to Madison. So, oh, perfect. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite cities uh, in the U.S., so... Um, oh. It's been a, been about a year and a half or so, so I'm going to try to get up maybe this fall or something. I'm definitely due. Thanks for listening. You can get more podcasts by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can learn more about Edible Alpha by visiting our website at ediblealpha.org.